0: The song, That Home, is a song, obviously, about moms. uh, A lot like my mom. My mom passed away in September of 2013. And uh, we just finished that song. Very intense um, lyric about a woman who cooked food for her family, love her kids, um, see that her kids are saved, they know Christ. My mom was that kind of mom. I love you. Thank you so much for everything that you do. There was a home in town where broken kids, the lost and found, would come from miles around just to see what love was all about. Because Mama had a way of making things OK. She'd cook us our favorite meal sit and listen to how we feel or oh, how the pain was real. How many families would the devil steal? Mama had a way of making things okay. Mom, you really make homes exactly where I belong. In that home we knew we were safe to be young to leave in that home love it had no end It's where we learn to forgive in that home always giving us an example of how a godly mother should be mama always had the music on sometimes loud sometimes soft I asked about her favorite song She opened the Bible To the book of songs She always found a way To talk about grace The thing I treasure the most Is getting to hear her sing And in that home We knew we were safe To be young enough To dream Find the faith That home love it had no end. That's where we learned to forgive in that home. She showed me what it was to trust God, to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. She opened up an orphanage, helped seven hundred seventy seven homeless children find homes all over the world.
1: I've been blessed with the best mom out there. I love you, Mama.
0: On that day, I got the news that Mama's stay here was almost through. I stayed all night by her side, held her hand, looked in her eyes, and said, Mama, when you're home, I know you'll be safe, strong enough, to see the faith that you believe. And in that home, life will have no end. I know I'll see you again. She had that faith in Jesus. In that home. She was sick with cancer and uh, slowly fading away. In that
1: Gave up her faith in God.
0: In that home. So, until heaven, I will miss you, Mom. I love you.
1: man I used to go to church with in Kansas. That was one of his favorite songs. And we used to play it on Mother's Day and it feels an awful lot like a Mother's Day song. When you hear that, it it talks about mom and, and a lot of us have wonderful, wonderful memories of mom. And yet when you dig a little bit deeper and you think about the message that the song really has, it's as much about family as it is about moms. It's about families that love each other. It's about families that are supportive. It's about safe families. When I hear that, I can't help but think about my friend back in Kansas, and I can't help but think about my mom, and I also can't help to think about how blessed I am to come from a wonderful family where I felt love, where I felt supportive, where I felt safe. When we dig around the Bible, we find that it's important to have those wonderful foundations in our own family. I want to share a passage of Scripture that we often hear on Mother's Day, and it's one that you've heard time and time and time again. But it's Proverbs chapter number 31, verses 10 through 31. simply says this, Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ship, she bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it, and the fruit of her hand she planteth, or with the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the staff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gate. That is an encouraging passage when we think about mothers. And yet the Bible calls more than just mothers to be followers of Christ and to do His will. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse 4, as we begin to think about families and we think about what God has called us to, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. As I think about Autumn growing up, there were times I just aggravated her about to death. Just make her furious. And there was nothing brought a smile to my face more than just seeing her just so mad she could just punch me in the face. And then I think about that scripture. Sometimes what do we teach our kids? How are we helping them? Are we encouraging them? Are we lifting them up? Children face a lot of things. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The Bible even talks about not just mothers and fathers, but the blessings of children, that it is to have children. In Psalm chapter 127, verses 3 through 5, it says this, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. That we have one, and that feels like a herd sometimes. And yet the Bible talks about happy is the man that hath a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, and they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Sometimes when I hear those passages of Scripture, I think about my shortcomings. I'm I'm not a mother, but sometimes it seems like it would be hard to measure up to that Proverbs 31 standard. Oh my, how in the world could I ever measure up to be like that? Sometimes when I read out about fathers, it's easy to get discouraged and thinking, I wish I had changed this. I wish I had done better. I wished I would have been a better father, a better husband, whatever it might be. It's easy to go back and go, I wish I could go back and change it, whatever it might be. Sometimes when I think about children, I just wonder if they listen to anything we say. Sometimes it's just like, would you please just listen? Please listen to anything. I have been dispensing wisdom for 20 years. And I don't know if Autumn's heard any of it or not. I think it's great, I think it's wonderful, and now she just rolls her eyes when I share when I was a kid stories. Or this is the way we did it back when I was a kid. Or this is the right way. Sometimes we wonder if they're paying attention at all. And yet, for all the struggles, for all the doubts, for all the fears that we have, for all of our, our shortcomings that we think we have around us, or we think that we do, We truly, truly love the family that God has put in our care. We truly care for them. We truly want to reach out and help them. We truly want to be what God has called us to be in their lives. Because we realize what a blessing it is to have family around us. To have people around us who we love and who God has given us care over. Yet in this morning's message, I want to show you a different family that Jesus talks about. And one that we here at the church should be very familiar with. And yet oftentimes we forget that as we treat family in our own lives and as we love family in our own lives, we're to love the family of God and treat the family of God in the same ways, have the same calling and the same respect. The book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all introduce this story that Jesus talks about where it's kind of a a new relationship, if you will, new brothers and sisters and mothers in Christ. Those that do the will of God. If you look with me in Mark chapter number 3 and verse number 31, we find Jesus teaching a multitude of people. Now, we don't know how many a multitude is. I think about it being several, several, several people. I think about a lot of people being surrounding Jesus. And we find Him here in the midst of a bunch of people sitting and listening. (coughs) Excuse me very much. We find him sitting and listening and learning at his feet. So I want you to kind of get this picture of all these people sitting around Jesus and him imparting great, wonderful things to them. And then, all of a sudden, the Bible says, there came his brethren and his mother, and standing without, they sent unto him, calling him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us where Jesus is, if I remember correctly, but evidently he's somewhere either inside because they're outside, or they're kind of inside their own circle there and their own multitude of people there, and they're on the outside of that group of people. And the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how they sent for them. Perhaps they sent a disciple up and said, psst, could you go tell Jesus that his mom and his brothers are here and we'd like to talk to him. Remember, there's all kinds of people standing around or sitting around listening to Jesus teach them. And all of a sudden we see this interruption come in. And they say, Jesus, we'd like to talk to you. I don't know if somebody had to walk into the group and go, psst, Jesus, somebody wants to see you. Or if maybe his family was standing on the outside. I have one sister who's younger than me. And if I thought I could interrupt her in some way, I thought that'd be a great opportunity. I'd be like, now's my chance. And I'd be the one hollering and go, hey, I'm your brother over here, pay attention to me. Perhaps they were over there hollering at the edge of the crowd, Jesus, it's it's us, it's your family. Here we are, the ones that you really love. We're the ones that grew up with you, that took care of you. Whether they were hollering, whether they were screaming at him, whether they were sending a disciple, we don't see it exactly, but chances are they were trying to get his attention, and it was enough that everybody else noticed it too. The thing to remember is, though, something I had never really thought about. But his family was actually on the outside of this group listening to Jesus. Perhaps they should have been on the inside sitting at his feet with everybody else. And it's a reminder that sometimes if we're not careful, those of us that could benefit the most from listening seem to be on the outside. We seem to think, well, I've done enough, or I've learned enough, or I've been to church enough. Or I've got enough Jesus, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm full, I'm doing great. I've been a Christian for 30-some years. And I still need Jesus Christ as much now as I did 30 years ago. I still need to learn more about Jesus Christ. I I pray I can still have a hunger to learn more about him. I pray I can be the one sitting at his feet and not the one in the back going, Hey, Jesus, do you remember me? I'm your mom or I'm your brother. Hey, over here, over here. Sometimes, if we're not careful, those of us that should be the closest to Him, that should have the greatest desire to be at His feet, if we're not careful, we find ourselves on the outside, kind of looking in, hollering, Hey, Jesus, don't forget about me. Verse number 32, <coughs> excuse me, goes on to say this And the multitude sat about Him. We don't know how big that was. Evidently, they were able to notice. that that his mother and his brothers were around him. It says, And they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. Now, I couldn't help but think what a nice multitude this was. We don't know who's in it. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know, you know, kind of what they're hearing about. And yet they are learning at the feet of Jesus. They are learning about his word. They're learning about his teachings. And yet when somebody comes up, they're like, "Uh, I know we're pretty busy here, but your family's out there. And I thought how nice it is that that multitude stopped what they were doing to take care of somebody else. They took the the, the time away from their time with Jesus to stop and say, Hey, there's somebody out here looking for you. Hey, you're needed out here. Even though it inconvenienced them. The question arises, are we willing to be inconvenienced for somebody else to talk to Jesus? Are we willing to say, hey, I'd like to stop what I'm doing and let, give you time to introduce it to this person or, or this person has a need? I appreciate it, it was wonderful this morning to, uh, as this young man came up and, and we were able to anoint him. I appreciate everybody coming together and taking time as the family of God to pray for someone. To pray for someone. I don't know Joshua that well, but I'm thrilled to see him here this morning. And it was a thrilling opportunity to get to pray with him this morning and to pray for him this morning. I don't know everything about what's going on, but Jesus Christ does. I don't know everything about his life, but Jesus Christ does. And it was wonderful that we as the as people of God could gather around somebody that a lot of you probably know. But I didn't. I'm sure we've met a time or two, but I'm terribly forgetful. I can't remember all of your all's names. And yet we took time as the family of God to say, wait a minute, this is more important. This is more important. Sometimes we lose focus on what's most important, even in church. I'll make out a list. Lisa helps me out every week so I know what to do up here. She gives me, I've showed you all this before. She gives me this list, and if there's something I need to say really important, I have her put it in red. And then this list will be in my office, it'll be under my chair, it'll be somewhere I can't find it, it'll be in the back of my Bible, and I have no idea where this is most of the time. So she helps me by putting them all over the place. There was one on the pulpit, there was one on my chair, There's one over here. Hey Chris, make sure you say this. It's an inconvenience. And yet she does it to help me out. You know what, sometimes we need to help each other out. We need to have that idea of family. And here's this group; they were learning about Christ. They were learning at His feet, and they says, "Hey, did you know your moms out there? Did you know your brothers are out there?" Verse number thirty-three goes on to say this, and He answered them, saying, "Who is my mother or my brethren?" Verse thirty-four says, and He looked around about them which sat uh, about Him and said, "Behold, my mother and my brethren." He basically gets up and he asks the question. He says. Well, who is my mom and my brothers? And he didn't say that in order to diminish who his actual mother and brothers are. But he said that to elevate those in the kingdom of God. To elevate them to that same level, if you will. that To put them in that proper place, in that proper perspective. He looks around and says, who is my mother and brothers? And he looks around at the crowd around him. He says, behold, you all are my brothers. You all are my mother. You all are my sisters. I'll go ahead and add that. You all are my family. I've shared with you all that before that when I moved to Kansas the first time three or four years ago, well, only been once, but <coughs> I moved a thousand miles away from home. And the last, one of the last things my mom said before we moved was she came to me. and We went to a funeral for one of the neighbors down through there, and, and I had told her I was planning on moving, and, and she caught me outside. And she looked at me and she said, Chris, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, yes, I am. She said, well, okay then. I moved a thousand miles away from home, and when I stood in front of everybody, there was a bunch of strangers out there. I didn't know a single person out there, and yet I found family. When I moved back to Kentucky, everybody thought I was moving back home. They pictured me just being over the holler from where I lived at. We're about three, three and a half hours from home. When I got here, I met a bunch of strangers. I didn't know very, very many names at all. I called Reba Reva forever. I knew Max's name because I talked to him, but I didn't know what he looked like. I had met Brother Jordan... That's about it. I'd seen some of them's picture on a a video thing, but couldn't tell you anything about them. I realized I wasn't home, but I met family. You see, sometimes we forget that family is more than just the people in our group that God has given us to take care of in the natural sense. But family is our brothers and sisters in Christ that we are here to worship with we are here as the, as the children of God. All, all Christians of all ages are, are, make up the kingdom of God. Matthew Henry writes it this way. It says, Christ was so intent on His work that no natural or other day, duty took Him from it. Not that under pretense of religion we may be disrespectful to parents or unkind to relations, but that the lesser duty must stand by while the greater is done. Let us cease from men and cleave to Christ. Let us look upon every Christian in whatever condition of life as a brother, sister, or mother of the Lord of glory. Let us love, respect, and be kind to them for His sake and after His example. When I think about what it means to be the church, when I think about what it means to to be brothers and sisters in Christ, it reminds me that His work should be what consumes us all. Following Him... And loving like he does should be what we're most addicted to. It is his calling that he has placed on our life that should be or that should rise above everything else that we do. I played that video and it was called That House. And it was about a house where where love reigned, where everything was safe and you knew everything was okay. Church, I want our church to be that house. When people come in, they're like, I'm here with family. It feels like home. Maybe not Casey County where I'm from, out on Chicken Gizzard Ridge. But it feels like home. Not because the trees look exactly the same or the house is exactly the same, but because there's love there, because there's support there, because there's help there, because there's family there. My wife and I have had the opportunity, I guess you could say, she wouldn't call it that, but to move several different places. And I told her, I said she, she was very distraught about moving and leaving home. It's like we're leaving our house, but we're not leaving one another. Because home is wherever we are all at. We've made our home in several different places, but it's the people there. It's not this building, it's not this church that makes it home, it's you all. We need to have that heart of remembering what home is. And we also need to remember how we got in this family. Galatians chapter number 4, verses 4 through 7 says this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. The next verse says this, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive, did you catch this, the adoption of sons. Verse number 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How in the world did I get to be a part of this family? I was adopted into it. I was adopted into this family because of my faith in Jesus Christ's great sacrifice. That's how I got to be a part of this family. That's how I got to be a part, because I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. It wasn't just something where I knew in my head, but something I knew in my heart, something I accepted into my heart and chose to follow Him daily. Church, we need to be that kind of family. Now, I wrote a couple things in my notes up here about families that I often notice. Now, anytime there's a new baby in the house, whoever's sitting next to it Two or three rows around doesn't pay attention to anything I say. Because they're holding babies and they're feeding babies and they're enjoying babies. My wife just like she just enjoys the way they smell and just all the wonderful things. And if she's holding a baby, I said, Did you hear anything I said? She's like, Nope. We get excited when a new, a new baby comes into the church. Do we get excited when a new visitor comes to our church? Are we paying attention to them? Are we looking out for them? Do we want to get over there? If there's a baby anywhere close, my wife wants to make a beeline for it. What about when there's a guest in our church? Are we seeking them out? Are we searching? Are we looking for them? You see, it's easy to get excited about the good things, but what about when it gets harder? What about when when some of our natural family has a need? We want to help, don't we? I thought, I'll be honest now, my daughter's not here so I can say this. I thought by now she'd be a little more on her way of doing things all by herself. I'm still writing a lot of checks, it feels like. I'm still having to take care of a lot of needs. I'm still having to to fix a lot of things that I thought by now. It's like, I thought you'd have this by now. No. And yet every time I do that, I'm thankful I have it to share. And I enjoy giving it to her and helping her out, and and encouraging her with whatever it might be that's going on in her life. What about when someone in our church has a need? Not just a a material need, but a relational need. When they need somebody to talk to, they need somebody to cry with, they need somebody just to sit and listen to them. Are we there? Are we seeking out that opportunity? I shared this in the earlier service. He's gone now, so I can say this. One of my favorite pastors growing up was Leonard Strievel. I don't know if Brother Jordan knows him or not. He's quite a bit older and he's been gone for several years. But he was a pastor of my little church there. And he wasn't afraid to preach a long time. And then when he got finished, he would always, he'd give us, let us have it both, both barrels. Then he'd step down here on the, off the stage and he'd talk for another 15 minutes. And I remember thinking, I wish that man just be quiet so I could go home and get some dinner. I wish that man just be quiet because I've had all I want. It's been it's, it's quarter after 12. I'm ready to go home. And I meant it too. I was ready. I've su- I stood there and stood on one leg for a while, stood on the other leg for a while, and tried to look interested for a while, and tried to look down for a while, and tried to look at my watch for a while, hoping he'd notice, you know, whatever. It reminded me that I was pretty selfish sometimes. You can see I haven't starved to death. It didn't hurt me. What if there had been one person needed to hear what Brother Leonard Strivel was saying, and I just didn't have the spiritual perception to see it? What if there was somebody needed to be a part of that service or the altar service that came up? I thought he was dragging it out because he wanted to keep me from going to dinner. But perhaps God was speaking to him and said, there's a need here in this church and I want to give them one more chance. Are we willing to to wait upon our brothers and sisters when they have a need? What about when they fail? I think about people in our family that fail. Sometimes it can be drugs, sexual immorality, just plain old disrespect. Do we throw them away? We do everything we can to restore them. We do everything that that we can to, to teach them, to give them another opportunity, to bring them back to the right place with God. What about in our family of God? I've often told you that sometimes the church has a reputation for killing their wounded. Shame on us. When somebody's down, when somebody's struggling, It's us that should be there to reach out first. It's us that should be out there to help in the greatest of ways. And yet sometimes we let old wounds, we let misunderstandings, heaven forbid we even let sinful unforgiveness creep around, make a mess. That's not how we treat family, is it? When family's hurting, it's our job to reach out and to help them. I want to read one more passage of Scripture, and it's one I just read. And it's Psalm chapter number 31, verses 10 through 20. We're going to stop just for time's sake. And I read that thinking about mothers. But actually, it's more than about mothers. It's also about the church. It's a picture of Christ's church. It's a picture of what we are supposed to look like. I want to read those 10 verses again, and I want you to think about us as the bride of Christ. As the people of God, it says, who can find a virtuous woman? How in the world do we become a virtuous bride of Christ by accepting Him as our personal Savior? Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Jesus Christ gave everything for us. He gave it all. We're more valuable than anything else that this world ever has to offer. The next verse says this The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. We're called to be holy. We're called to be faithful. We're called to trust. We're called to follow so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship, she bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it and the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard or with the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and she strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. I couldn't help but think about the next verse when it talks about not letting your candle go out. Bringing enough, oh, it says, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hand her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. And I've realized, and I mentioned this last week, there's more than just a poverty of material things around us. There's a poverty of, of relations, of relationships. There's a poverty of righteousness. There's a poverty of responsibility. There's lots of poor around us. Most of the time it's not material things. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Church, may we be that house. May we reach out to our family. May we be that church. May we be that people of God that look like Christ. It starts here. It starts there. It starts with everything that we do. All of us are called to be followers of Christ and to love just like I love my wife and my daughter. You know what? Sometimes we have to share some hard truths with family, and yet I'm always reaching out. I'm always trying to restore them, help them, whatever it might be. May we be that kind of church. As we get a verse of song, if you have a need this morning, if you have something on your heart, will you come? Maybe you have somebody you want to pray for. Maybe you want to pray for yourself. Like, Lord, give me strength to look more like you. Lord, give me help to face whatever I've got going on in my life. Lord, I just want to be more like you. I want to love like you. I want to share the hope that I have those around me. Help get a verse song.